Welcome home. You're listening to 180 Church Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to 180 Church Podcast. I'm Joe Lou and I'm here with the podcast crew today. We have Pastor Lydia. Hi guys. Stu Stills on the mic. Hey. We have Wendy Lee. Hello. Michelle. Hi. Today we're talking about, and we're continuing on the conversation about calling and how a lot of the times it seems like we know that there's a certain call in our lives and a lot of us in our generation feel as if we want to live for that call. But what happens when we're faced with so many of the competing commitments that vie for our attention in our day-to-day life? How do we stay on track and focused? And so this is the conversation we're having today uh, that Dr. Sammy has brought up this uh, recent Sunday on what it means to have non-negotiable values and what it means to really draw the line in the sand for the values of the kingdom that we profess that we live by and the benefits of it where two are better than one. So here's Dr. Sammy. Today's sermon is given by Dr. Sammy D. Kim, a co-founder of 180 Church NYC, a bioethics fellow in global health and social medicine at Harvard Medical School, and a regular contributor at Christianity Today. This week's scripture is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So last week we talked about the call. Uh, This particular topic was the most engagement we ever received online. It went viral, thousands of views, just multiple comments, um, multiple messages. There's something about calling for millennials particularly that strikes a chord. A lot of times we're so tired, you know, the, the CDC officially created a category for burnout, not just for healthcare workers, but for all professionals. Burnout now is a category you can, you can be diagnosed with. And a lot of people mistaken this idea of burnout as emotional exhaustion or just too much work. If you carefully study the idea of burnout, it has nothing to do with activity. At the center of burnout, actually, it's about feeling stuck in your life. A lot of mid-managers in corporations feel burned out, not because they have too much work. They just have too much mindless work. They're not being developed. They're not moving forward. They're not propelling upward or onward. They're just at the same place. And it strikes a chord because we want to live for what we're created for. Not to put out fires or mundane things, the domains of just urgency, but we want to stoke the fire and do things that we're passionate about, that we're called to do, to make a difference, to count, 
That's the millennial generation. And, and it really struck a chord. And I want to go back into that idea of calling. Stay there. I want to park right there. And I want to answer the question, how do you stay faithful to the calling of God in your life when you feel like you're faltering? How many of you ever feel that before? You're tempted. You're faltering. You want to be faithful. You want the passion. But there's temptation to give up, to give in. You're being pulled or pushed in different directions. And that's what the question I want to answer today. In 1924, in the Paris Summer Olympics, let's put this quote up here. Eric Liddell, famous for the movie uh, Chariots of Fire. If you've ever seen it, it's really old, but um, it's powerful. Catch it. Um, he was favored to win the 100-meter uh, race by a long shot. But he made a lot of noise by forfeiting the race because it landed on, the sun, on a Sunday. And he said that it goes against everything I believe in as a Christ follower. Even though I would love to run this race and win, and win a gold medal, the race I'm favored for, I am also running another race. Tell someone another race. And, that, and that's the race a lot of us forget. We're running the race of our, the rat race, of our jobs, of, of academics, of many different races in our lives. And we want to win. And I've seen many of you personally, you guys are competitive. You guys are petty too. You do a lot of things to win. So I don't trust any of you when I play any games with you. You guys lie, cheat. One time I saw someone in, in, in our church steal $5,000 in Monopoly money and held it under. I wonder how she lasted landing on my boardwalk like five times because I got that. And in the end, I found out she cheated. She, had five, she stole $5,000. And, and many of us are competitive. I mean, many of you are wired to want to be first. To want to be at center, to want the attention, to, to want to be great. And that's okay. And, and so what happens sometimes with calling is that there is a collision of values. Sometimes the, the commitments that we make are not actually sinful or even evil. They're both good goals. For Eric Liddell, it's winning a gold medal, playing for his country, right? The UK, wanting to... Uh, run a race to bring glory to himself and his country, that it's, it's a good value, it's a good goal, it's a good commitment. But he also wants to what? Honor God. And so a lot of times what happens with calling is that it comes into collision. It's very nuanced. You go, well, should I work extra hours at my job? Or should I tell someone about Jesus? Or should I go to small group? Or should I commit to put Jesus first in my life? And to share Jesus with others. And so sometimes what happens in the church and in our, in our lives is that the, there's a collision of values and collision of commitments. And we want to honor both, but we don't know what we should do. Anyone feel that way sometimes? Right? And so Eric Liddell says when he forfeited the race, someone else won in the UK. But he came back the next week and then won the 400 meters. You gotta, he actually accomplished a world record in that race. 
and he won the gold medal for a race that he felt like he couldn't win. And, and here it is, folks. I want you to pay close attention to this. Tell someone, both and. Not a scream it, both and. So, some of you want to do less. Well, can, what's the easier option? So is it God or is it my job? Both and. Be excellent in both. Oh, wait, go. That's a win-win for the kingdom and win-win for you. A win for you, win for the king. Uh, but, but that's too much work. Listen, listen, there's no too much work for greatness. A lot of people feel if they sacrifice personal excellence or, or opportunity that, com that conflicts with the values of the kingdom, that they'll lose to someone else. And sometimes you will. Just like Eric lost the gold medal because he forfeited that race. A lot of people bashed him in the news. A lot of people in Great Britain also said, you know, he's such a legalistic, pious, holier doubt type of guy. Who would, why would you do that? Right, come on, it's, it's just one Sunday. Tell someone one Sunday. This is one Sunday, come on. Your boss asks you, come on. Work a little bit more today. Okay, if you're an investment banker, you might not have a choice or you're fired the next day. It's in the contract. Right? You know, just go on this business trip. Just, just one Sunday. A lot of people said he's a literalist. A literalist or, you know, he's, he's, a, he's archaic in the way he's pious. He's, he's very backwards. And a lot of people criticized him. Just once in it, come on, why, why are you so pious? A lot of people thought that, um, that Eric was just, you know, this type of fundamentalist that wanted to be right by principle. A lot of people don't realize that Eric wasn't like that at all in his life. He just felt that he was running another race. Because in 1939-41, uh, when he was a missionary in China, isn't he amazing? Gold medalist and a missionary? What a hot man. <laughs> right? What a hot man. I mean, he, uh, ladies, that's the type of man you want, okay? Now, in, in, in 41, when, when, during World War II, there, there was uh, deep tension, and Japan took over certain parts of China where he was, you know, uh, at, was a missionary. And they had concentration camps for people. And Eric was ministering in one of those camps and eventually died at 43. But there is a kid in that concentration camp where, you know, Eric was a youth minister ministering to kids through sports. And they would play basketball and hockey and other things like that. And um, on Sundays, all the kids in the camp would play sports. And Eric would referee, and he said that he refused to referee on Sunday because it's the Sabbath, and he should not do that. But when he stopped refereeing, all the kids tried to kill each other, right? And Eric eventually gave in and started refereeing on Sundays. And one of the kids remembered he was the gold medalist that was famous for who, who abdicated the race because it was by principle. You see, when it came to his personal glory and personal accomplishment, he said he refused to run. But when it's for others, 
When it was for the sake of children that were in camps in hideous conditions, for the sake of grace, he served others on Sunday. So he wasn't this pious person that people thought. He was what? He had, he had the highest ultimate value. And he, what? He won a gold medal and he lived for Christ. Amen? That is our calling, folks. That is our calling. Our calling is to be excellent, both and, not either or. Sometimes we feel like we have to choose the least path of resistance. When the greatest resistance, if you look at the story and the arc of Jesus, he chooses the greatest resistance. And that's why we falter, because we don't crystallize our values. Eric had values that were non-negotiable. Absolutely non-negotiable. And that's what? That's character. It's about character formation. So, how do you, how do you become faithful to the calling of God in your life? Even when you feel like you're faltering, or you're tempted to give in, when you're pushed and pulled in the opposite direction. Because let me just tell you this, values lead to character. And character leads to what? Legacy. And legacy, what leads to destiny. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I want to impart values to my kids. That there are certain non-negotiable things in our lives. And that's one of those things is serving the Lord. For me and my house, what? We will what? Serve the Lord. You see, that starts right now, folks. Right? You start brunching and leisuring and vacationing. And, you know, and I'm not against vacations. You know, there are people that go to China and Australia. There are people that go everywhere. I don't know. Bless you. You could take those trips. Enjoy them. I'm not talking about a legalistic procedure here. I'm talking about values. Like Erica, to put Jesus first, to put God first. But I'm just saying, when you start taking those days off, when you start challenging those values for something else, something even good, you begin to, what, erode, erosion takes place in the soul. Because some things have to be non-negotiable. Putting Christ first has to become non-negotiable. Amen? You know, Josh recently asked me, Dad, will you, will you not like me if I like LeBron James? This, see, this should be negotiable, but it's non-negotiable in our house. Some people even asked him, Josh, does your dad pressure you to like Michael Jordan? He goes, I think so. He's good, right? But he's a flopper. My dad told me he's a flopper every day. <laughs> some, some things in culture are caught rather than taught. And what I hope is that 180, as 180, you know, the average age 180 is like 28. And what I'm hoping is that children catch from you the non-negotiable value of putting Jesus first in your life. Above your job, above leisure, above every other good thing. Because what? For me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. That's what Eric did. He left a legacy. And he didn't have to sacrifice personal accomplishment. No one is telling you to not accomplish great things. 
We're saying when those values come into collision, you need to crystallize what is the highest ultimate value. Okay, so let's look at this text. Oh yeah, he said, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Amen. Okay, so in Hebrews, this is what the author of Hebrews says. Let us hold unswervingly, right? Do not zigzag in any way. Straight, a straight line to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may what? Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up what? Meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now that phrase in verse 25, the day approaching is... Paul, oh, not, not Paul, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. We just know it's Bible because when you read it, it's like, amen, 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 praise the Lord. Holy Spirit goes, yes, that's me. We don't know who wrote it, but we know it's someone that's really good at writing and a really good Christian. But, um, so if I say Paul, just, it sounds like him sometimes. But um, uh, when they say the day approaching is talking when the Lord returns. We, we talked about that last week. We said that our calling is not to an occupation. Our calling is not... Uh, gifting, our calling is to Jesus, by Jesus, for Jesus. The calling is a relationship. And so, the day approaching, until the Lord returns, it says two things here in this text. Unswervingly, hold, hold on to the hope we professed, and who, who promises faithful, and how we may first spur one another toward love and good deeds. That's number one calling. We have to help each other push each other, encourage each other toward love and good deeds. And then what? Meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. Some not giving up. So the question here is this first. Why are they giving up meeting? Well, the writer of Hebrews is writing at a time the second generation Christians are around. Most of the apostles are executed except John in the island of Patmos. He's Basically exiled, Christians are being persecuted. If you're a Christian, it's a crime. They either chop your head off or throw you into the lion's den or torch you. In the Colosseum, if you guys ever been to Rome, that massive Colosseum was where they try to make an example of Christians. So their resistance was persecution. That's why they stopped meeting together. People didn't want to die. How many people don't want to die? I don't want to die. That's a pretty good reason. And the enemy's goal was to bring fear, through fear, conquer and, you know, stall Christianity. Stall the gospel movement. But these Christians were like the Terminator. No matter if you took their leg or arm, they kept going. They stopped torching them, they kept growing. They were like roaches. Eventually, they overthrew the Roman Empire until Constantine and Rome, the state, eventually realized, hey, maybe we can stop this by legalizing Christianity and stop persecuting it. And so their struggle in the first century, first two centuries, was that they were under persecution and trials. Well, in, in America, Christianity is still the number one religion. Over 80% still profess to have some type of Christian affiliation. What is, we, we're not persecuted, then what is our resistance? Brunch. 
It's a really nice day outside. Central Park. Jamba Juice is calling. Avocado Toast is calling. Cancun is calling. Right, friends we haven't seen in a while. Another baby shower, another wedding. A lot of good things. So faith is not no longer in the 21st century under persecution. But our temptation now is leisure, travel. Here's a big one, golf. It has taken over the first generation Korean churches in America, all over the world. It's the new church. Men who've gone to church 20 years ago are now at the golf course. Golf, a great sport. I don't get it, I don't play, but whatever. It's, it's taken over. It's the new church, right? I, I just want to golf. Or I want to go to a football game. We're not being torched. And so the enemy's new strategy is let's make people busy with good things. So, how do you remain faithful to your calling when you feel like faltering? Well, let's put this picture up here. That's Nancy and Jeff. It's one of our married couples. When Jeff met Nancy, Nancy said, look, bro. I'm not sure if that's what she said. But that's how I, you know. Look, bro, Jeff said, what's up? And then they were flirting, you know, where this is going, where is this going to end up? And Nancy said, listen, Thursdays and Sundays, I'm at church. That's non-negotiable. Jeff's like, what do you mean? What if we want a brunch on Sundays? That's non-negotiable. So, so if you want to date me, you need to come. Jeff was like, that's weird. Why would any young person want to go to church? I'm Catholic, and I don't want to go to church anymore. <laughs> when, when Jeff was baptized, his parents made sure he was getting baptized, and he wasn't lying. They came to Central Park that day. But, but, but here it is. Some things have to be for the Christian's life, non-negotiable. And, and Nancy, what, what did she do? How did she stay faithful to the call, the eternal call of God? Let's read it. I want you to read that with me. What is it? Got to stick to your guns. There are certain things. In Texas, hold them. You hold them or you fold them. There are certain things where you never fold. And that's putting Christ first. When you put Christ first, good things happen. Like Jeff comes to Christ. Jeff gets married to Nancy. Because there was no other way. That mountain was not going to move. Okay, so that's the first thing. Okay, second thing. I'm going to take five more minutes, guys. That's the non-negotiable. Stick to your gun. Second. And so let us consider how we may what? Spur one another to love and good deeds. Second, let's put it up. Read with me. Surround yourself with what? 
Yeah. That's why, we, that's why we come to church. That's why we honor the Sabbath. Somebody has to remind you what your number one calling is, what your no, one no, uh, ultimate value is. I remember um, this was lived out well. Let's put this picture up here by a lot of our physicians and medical students. Look, they're so young here. So cute. X, Janice, and Lee. I don't know why Eddie's doing there. He's not a doctor. Uh, he <laughs> so he should get a trophy for that. Now. <laughs> but let me, let me tell you, our, our medical students, and it was, the precedent was really set by Lee. And I'm going to give him some credit, respect, one time at church. When he came to Christ which was over a decade ago, he's pretty old now, and, uh, with two kids, and, and hopefully many more. <laughs> but um, but when, you're, when, when, when you become a medical student, people expect you to study Oni, like Eric Liddell, you know? Like you, you're competing against the best and the brightest. And so you have to study step ones and board exams and competition to, you know, to even live in the city, to be a doctor in the city. You know, but Lee did not compromise going and gathering, giving up gathering in his smart group, which is why he actually finished medical school, because people were spurring him, encouraging him, pushing him to put Christ first. And you know what? A lot of people did criticize him at that time, saying, hey, what are you doing? You need to study more. Hey, but he, he's fine. He's a surgeon. Right, he's attending now. Got his contract. He's all good. But he set the precedent for, for not missing church and, and gathering in small groups. And so the other medical students had no other choice. <laughs> no, but if you even look at Janice and X, X is at Stanford now and at, at his fellowship. And they too from Stony Brook drove or rode the train. And that was three hour commute. They set a precedent for what it means to not give up, not to, to put God first. And what? They all became chiefs. They all got fellowships. God honored them as he on, they honored him. Amen? So you don't have to choose either or. It's, it's both and. and. And when our parents with the kids, with two kids, and Angelina and Haley and Jenny and, Haley and others are, are bringing kids to church, it's really difficult to even listen to the message. You know, there's kids running going, ah, you know. They're competing for, uh, uh, with my voice. <laughs> and, and um, you know, and people go, what's the point of coming if you can't, you know, you can't even listen to the message? You can't really engage in worship? You're, you're just trying to stop your kid from killing themselves. Then injuring themselves. What's the point? See, they're setting another precedent when other people get married. Not giving up, number one. Just coming to church is, is what? Honoring God. Getting in that car, putting those kids in the shrouds, putting the, strapping them on, cr all the crying, all that. That's warfare. <laughs> and just showing up to church is discipling all of us. Saying, hey, what, what's normal? What, what's, what, what's normal when you have kids? Oh, yeah, let's just not show up to church. And that's what starts happening. People stop coming to church at all when they start having kids. Then th those kids play sports on Sunday. And then what? Eventually, they don't come to church anymore. They stop what? Meaning gathering because of leisure. So what? Today, let's be reminded of the call of God. Amen?
to put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's a win-win. If you honor God, God will honor you. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. Father, we want to come before you today. And we don't want to just say God first as a cliche. Now, a lot of those Christian cliches, those maxims that are not really lived out. But I pray for, we would decide today, a line in the, uh, we would draw a line in the sand, say, for me and my house or my future house, I will serve the Lord. I will put him first, no matter what. So this week, Dr. Sammy's sermon really spoke to me on uh, those non-negotiables in life. And um, I think we all have them, and I think at different points in our life, the different things become different non-negotiables. And I think um, for me right now, like spending time with friends and um, that, that Sunday commitment can sometimes be a temptation to make that a negotiable and push to you know, make it a non-negotiable in life, mm. you know? Really? Yeah, because um, I remember a couple of years back, uh, some friends and I, we went to go play paintball in uh, Pennsylvania and it was like a weekend long thing. And they stay from Friday all the way through Sunday playing paintball and they go to a buffet afterwards on Sunday. And I remember um, saying, I, I can't make it on Sunday. I have to, you know, I have to go to church. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were pretty cool in that they, they respected that. And they actually changed around some of the schedule for me. But I just remember driving home at like 10 o'clock at night after running around in 90-degree weather, playing paintball all day, thinking, I could be chilling out in a hotel right now. But instead, I'm going home and falling asleep. But... In the end, it was such a, a good decision. It wasn't non-negotiable to, to be there to hear, you know, to hear God's message and to be there, present there on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that Dr. Sammy was actually preaching about this this past weekend because another one of my friends invited me to something that was a, uh, a overnight thing, a Saturday and a Sunday thing. And I was actually considering going and thinking, you know, one Sunday isn't going to make that much of a difference. But this was really something that hit me like, yeah, maybe this is a Mm non-negotiable. You know, I do need to make this a Mm non-negotiable. Because it's such a slippery slope. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, you make an exception for one friend, one Mm -hmm. event, Mm -hmm. and it continues. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I remember um, Nathan was doing his first film. And mm-hmm. even though he was the main char- like he was the main lead, um, the director who auditioned him, he actually told me like, "Oh, so we're gonna be shooting on Sunday," mm-hmm. and then I said, "Well, I'm sorry, we, we can't do it." Like I knew he was an unbeliever, like he mm-hmm. wasn't a Christian. So for me to say, um, "Okay, let's do it," because this it, it's almost as if I'm saying everything is fine because this movie is more important. Mm-hmm. It, it would have been that. And so I actually let the director know like, hey, actually we can't um, do Sundays because we go to church. Mm-hmm. And I remember I just like put it down on the table when we met. And because he needed him, he actually worked around it. Mm. And so 
um, after service, we rushed over to Brooklyn to film. And it actually ended um, because everything rolls over after to mm-hmm. longer hours. Um, it ended later, way later. But we did the film knowing that it was a great thing, but um, it was non-negotiable for us. Mm-hmm. And it would have been non-negotiable for me to even teach Nathan like that. That's okay. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you get an opportunity. You should take it because it's a movie and this is what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a teaching moment in all those ways. And so, um, yeah, it, it reminded me of that when you were sharing mm-hmm. about that. Because, yeah, it makes everything a little bit more inconvenient. Mm-hmm. And that you're trying to get somewhere, you're trying to get to church, you're driving at night when you could be in your hotel. I mean, everything could have been so different, whatever. But at the end of the day, I guess for me, the decision is, I mean, Sam talked about it, but the decision is like, if we are loose on this and loose on that and loose on this, then before you know it, um, I think it, it does erode the soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even as a pastor, there are these um, opportunities, you know, mm-hmm. um, that could come as a temptation mm-hmm. because it's like God, uh, God would want this for me and not to be legalistic about it. Yeah. You know, I mean, like we have doctors and people in healthcare that just can't take those days off. There's mm-hmm. just no independence in scheduling. But um it's when you do have that independence and then you decide on your own that something is now more important. Yeah. Because, yeah, it may be a good thing, but it's not a bringing me closer to God thing. Yeah, and I think the that culture is more caught than taught. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we realize sometimes that people are watching. Yeah. And that we are witnessed by our actions and our choices. Mm-hmm. And so... When we make those decisions, we feel almost like there's a normacy that you feel with the world. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, you know, we can do this and that. But the thing is, like, you have one slot of time. You have to make a choice sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. yeah. Eric Liddell, that fact that he didn't run the race. Mm-hmm. And he let down his country. And yeah. the country gossiped about him and slandered him and... There were there was so much um, hate. I mean, not hate, but criticism around this decision. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Like, why do you have to be so stiff? Mm-hmm. But for him, he said, well, this is a non-negotiable for me. Mm-hmm. Even though he said that when he runs, he feels God's pleasure. For him, it was a non-negotiable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a powerful story. I remember growing up thinking, well, that's kind of like extreme. Like, how is the world even going to accept that? Like, maybe not now. Like, but it's also encouraging to know that the second generation Christians also struggled with that because of their, I mean, legitimate reasons. Yeah. They actually struggled because of persecution of dying, Mm -hmm. being torched. Mm -hmm. Um, And fear scattered them in a way they didn't want to meet anymore because they really feared dying. But we struggle with the God of leisure that it's at the end of the day, it's about leisure. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's not evil, but it is, and it's good, but it's not God. 
It's a it's a hard word, I think. It's a hard word, but also it's a refreshing reminder mm. because it reminds you and I that that's right. Like, when did it get so loose? You know, I hear the other <laughs> side of parents who don't go to church. Like I have friends and I've heard parents who say, oh, we should go to church. Definitely. Oh, we really should. And then the year after it's in the same place because they're playing tennis they're playing mm -hmm. soccer mm -hmm. and what they didn't want to be a negotiable actually becomes the one thing that they chuck and say oh well we can't you mm -hmm. know what i mean and uh kids face don't grow parents also their face is also not growing forget it starts eroding mm -hmm. and i have friends who whose husband is um, an atheist, but the wife is like a believer. And several, mm. so many people like that, situations like that. And um, they just feel like, I want my kids to believe in something. But when it comes down to it, even in that situation, like if there's a picnic, if there's some kind of event or some kind of a leisure event, um, you know, the one part gives in. Mm -hmm. And even the celebration of family becomes uh, almost like um, it's good to spend time with family, but it replaces the place of mm. worship and the place of gathering in Jesus' name. Yeah. And it actually, yeah. sometimes family becomes the very center of, um, I don't know, wholeness, mm -hmm. but it can't, can't ever feel that, you know? And the struggle just continues. Mm. Yeah. And I think you're right. That's something that is very much caught rather than taught. You know, when a parent says, well, this is important, but you don't treat it as something important, kids will pick up on that. And I'm sure that even outside of the scope of, of church, they start to learn that you say something is important, but you really don't treat it as something important. Then how many things in life that should be important just fall by the wayside just mm -hmm. because of leisure, because of competing commitments, because it's just a bother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have um, a friend whose husband is an atheist and she felt like being married to an atheist husband, like what can I possibly do? Because it was hard for her to change her husband's mind about mm -hmm. Christ or church, right? So she basically said like, listen, church is non-negotiable and no matter how hard it is, I'm going to show up every Sunday. Mm. Um, and that's not even going into the whole unequally yoked. But there are couples who are married who one is a believer, one is not. But when the believer does what they can, I mean, Paul talks about this too. He said that because Christ's story happened and people already married at, in first century. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, mm. Paul says, do not divorce, but be an example. So if, so for her, it was like, my husband is non-Christian, but one thing I, I am going to push is to go to church on Sunday. Whether he comes from family values or not, mm -hmm. we're going to church. Mm. Like she couldn't volunteer much for other things because she has like whatever other things and she, she's not in that place, whatever. But she said, I decided, God, if I could give you one thing and um, hope for my husband to come to Christ and for us to become a family that knows you and loves you like i'm um, church is non-negotiable for me mm. and it, it is 
And so even though she feels like she's not doing much, it is a huge impact because her kids go. Yeah, it's a consistent witness. It's a consistent thing that this is a value that mm-hmm. I will not change. Yeah. Because that is so important to me. Yeah. Like even it, like with Nathan and Josh, like they'll get invited to birthday parties, but it's mm-hmm. a non-negotiable for us. Like yeah. my friend invites me out to all these events every Sunday and she'll ask me like, are you at are you going to be at church? Oh, can you can you come to this and I'll say, "You know what? I'm I'm at church on Sunday, so I really want to go to that, but I can't." And literally I had to turn it down the whole year. People might say like, "Come on, Lydia, you're trying to be missional. You can't say yes. It could be missional." But I was like, no because i want her to know this is important Mm. to me Mm. because when she becomes a christian it should be important to her too Mm. like it's all about witness you know Mm -hmm. so and then she actually started asking me like to come um on different days so Mm. can that happen you know like Mm. can we be strong in our conviction about what's so important and our values that you know, like things start changing around us. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it really gets to the heart of whether we're prioritizing ourselves over the like the mission of God or our life in service to God. Because you know, a lot of the times we'll like give ourselves excuses, like, "Oh no, I've been like pretty consistent." So it's kind of like you know when you. <coughs> When you're cheating on a diet, mm. or like when you're going on a diet, you're like, ah, I've, you know, d- did three weeks mm. of like really clean eating. I could have a cupcake. But if you're that kind of person that has a cupcake and you just completely black so- uh, backslide, that's probably not th- th- like your mission or th- the goal you had in mind is was probably not that clear to begin with. You know, I think it's it's interesting that like this is kind of like the tension that we live in because like do we serve ourselves by indulging in these like leisures um because you know they feel good or like these are quote-unquote good things for us or we need our rest or stuff like that or are we really clear on what our call is or like are we very like are we unmovable in these certain values that we say that we live by or that we try to live by you know yeah, you know, you, and it's really an epidemic that's happening in all across the board. Mm. Because I remember when I was going to Bible college, um, so I served as an RA, and one Sunday, like, um, it's one Sunday, I had to stay over the weekend, right? So I had to go to church while I was at school. It was, but like, it was hard for me because I served at my dad's church. Mm. But yeah, I went to service, but. Um, it was like a, like you were given at least one Sunday, you had to give up a Sunday, and right. which is like, but like I was really shocked at the amount of people who don't go to church, even mm-hmm. in Bible school. Even in Bible school. Yeah, wow. and I was like, why is everyone like not waking up to go to church? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then like I heard like people say, you know what? I'm like so anxious right now. Like I'm going through stuff, so I'm just gonna turn on worship and worship the Lord today. I was like really surprised by that, right. mm-hmm. and um, and supposedly there was a saying like yes, you know, even in, in Bible college, there's the most fam- most popular church in this college is bedside, minis- bedside Presbyterian. Bedside Presbyterian. People sleep in, mm. people get their rest, people catch up on their rest. Mm. 
they turn on worship music and say, well, this is church for me, right. like all sorts of stuff. So it's not just our church. It's not just, I don't know, people who have not been walking with Christ. It's all across the board. It's right. people studying for ministry, you know? Mm. So, I mean, I thought that joke was kind of sad, but funny. No. <laughs> It's pretty, pretty poignant. It seems yeah. pretty true. A bedside Presbyterian. Mm. It's essentially just, it's like a heart check, right? Like, are you, like, are you sure it's worth, you know, going out for brunch or something as opposed to going to church, right? Like, it's, it's like. So, the, I feel like it's a heart check, but it, this goes um, <coughs> further than that. Mm. It's about. A character. Drawing yeah. a line on the sand. Right. I think our kids know, like. They know that going to a birthday party or, you know, no matter how close they are, it's a non-negotiable. Like, it doesn't matter how close they are. They'll celebrate another day separately, but they won't miss church for it. Mm. Even though the whole class is there or, like, the whole group or the gang is there, you know? So, yeah, it's kind of an, um, you know, unpopular thing, but I have unbeliever friends. I have to turn down a lot of invitations, you know? Mm. So... For me, that's when it started for me as a child. So it's a value that I value and I cannot let go of because I value it so much mm. and saw its fruit of witness so much in my life. Mm. Um, for me, um, well, I, I, I mean, I have to be honest, like in the beginning, I didn't ha- like find value and just because like to give context, like I was, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. So Sunday for me, like um, in a Chinese household, it was spent with family. family yeah. yeah. So in the beginning, I thought, well, there was a lot of resistance because I know that I knew in my mind that it was important for me to go um, to church on Sundays, but my heart still felt like. I needed to be with my family. Right. Um, so the in the beginning, I compromised a lot. Like. So when you say beginning, do you mean yeah. as a seeker or as a believer? Uh, when I was seeking, and then right in the beginning when, of when you had come to Christ. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great because I think a lot of people could relate to that. Yeah. The whole Chinese household thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so you know, if there was, if my mom needed me on Sunday, or if like my brother or my sister asked me to do something for my parents um it's usually around like helping the family um then i would be like okay like i I guess i'm not going to go to service on sunday um but again like i like how i knew that i needed to go on sundays because i did feel empty that day like i like i did feel like i was it's not FOMO per se, you know, it's not like I missed out on something. But it was good FOMO. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah that I felt like I was missing something and, um, you know, I didn't feel filled. Mm. And so I would just feel like a wreck that right. week. Yeah. Um, and then I told myself, you know what, I'm just going to just gonna go. Yeah. And when I did do that, when I did commit to going every week, I realized that I can help still help my family and that it doesn't have to be on a Sunday Mm. it can be other days of the week Mm -hmm. and 
Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, but it's interesting because like at the moment it doesn't feel that way. Right. But like at like but then when you just when you just tell your like over the phone like to your siblings or to your mom or to your dad like hey I can't do Sunday morning because I go to church. Um, but like. I could meet you right after, mm. like three, four. Like, right. is that okay with you? And they'll be like, "Yeah, that's fine. I'll meet you then." Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I always do wonder what what do you do? What did you do on Sundays before church? Because like being yeah. that I've always like generally went to church most of my life on Sundays. Yeah. Every every time I miss church, I'm always like, "What do people do like on this day? Like what like what well, uh, what filled up your time on Sundays?" Oh, uh, um. What did I do? <laughs> family, family meals. Yeah, like I mean lunch? there were. Yeah, like usually there's like oh maybe like me grandma that like. Sunday. Oh. Yeah, that's Sunday or. Errands. Uh, errands, yeah, oh. with family, getting groceries. Um, mm. it's just like it's usually, running errands and getting ready for like the week. Oh. Like yeah. Yeah, errands is a huge one. Right. Right. Yeah. I do remember a lot of people mm. telling me to do laundry on Sundays and right. stuff like that. Yeah. But it's it's just like I've never really thought twice about it because yeah. I've always gone. So like the days I did miss, I'm like, what? Like, I don't understand what people do. <laughs> right. Usually. Mm. <coughs> mm. So for you, you saw the need, and then you said, you know what? I can't live without Sundays. Right. I mean, I also got called out too, like oh, yeah? for not going. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so that 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 was good too <coughs> to to have someone call me out and I felt defensive at first. I was like, "Why are you calling me out?" Yeah. Like it was just well, one Sunday. <laughs> what did they What did they say to you? Um, I think they just told me like, "Oh, oh, uh, I mean, like, oh, where were you Sunday?" <laughs> and mm. like, I just I just told them, "Oh, like I was with my family." They're like, "Oh, okay," but then like from that, I just felt like, you know what, like I should go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't direct. It wasn't like harsh or anything, but. It made you reevaluate. It made me reevaluate. Like, okay, mm-hmm. like, it is important, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, like, going to Sunday, as people make it, oh, it shouldn't be something you should do because you have to. Right. And people will miss too. Mm-hmm. It's like it as if it's like a religious checkoff, but it's not. It's so much more than that. Yeah. Right. Like for one day, it was really something that really anchored her, mm-hmm. right? But mm. it's so much more than that. So. I think that's the thing that sometimes there's so much rationalism that goes around. They're like, if I don't feel like it, I shouldn't be pressured. God wouldn't want to pressure me. But actually, that's kind of like missing the point around why Sunday exists. Right. Mm. Or why it is so important. Why yeah. it's so important. Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe I'm like a combo platter of you two. Combo Wendy platter? And Joe. <laughs> <laughs> because I grew up... Um, going to church every Sunday but I it was a social thing and I think for my parents it was also social and I and I, I think I knew that um, but Sundays were negotiable growing up so if we had something going on it was very easy for us to go do that thing mm-hmm. it, it wasn't even uh, I didn't even see my parents hesitate ever um, but then when I came to 180 and recommitted my life to Christ, I realized that it was more, Sundays were more than just about me and going to service because 
I want wisdom and I'm feeling down and I need to be uplifted or I need to be reminded that there's purpose for me mm -hmm. and being encouraged, services were also a chance for me to serve and not only to be fed, but also to serve and to, to do the mission every Sunday. It was about others. It was more about others than it, it was just as much about others than it be, was about me. It became that. The last time I can remember missing a Sunday for work uh, was years and years ago now, but I had a shoot. And at that time, I was struggling financially a lot. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to take this commercial job because I need the money. But it shoots on a Sunday. And at that time, I was probably just growing in my relationship with Christ. It was probably soon after my recommitment. But I decided to take this job that shot on a Sunday. And I remember being on set and feeling like I'm not supposed to be here right now. <laughs> and I really missed service. Like, I actually felt like I lost out because... Like you were at the wrong place. I was definitely... I really felt that I was at the wrong place. Even though I, I was at a different... Very young in my faith, I really felt that in my spirit. This is... A, I didn't, maybe I didn't make the right choice. Um, so that evening, I went to another church's service because I thought, okay, I'm going to feed my soul that way because maybe what I needed was a word or something to hear some encouragement. Because like I went to Times Square Church, but then I really like I think I had learned along the way that like I can't like there's there's purpose behind committing to a community. Like mm. yes, God is everywhere, but Yeah, it's you not can, like you, you can, can say that. You can okay. just spell it out if that's what the point you're trying to make, right? Because Times Square Church is not a bad church, but you are basically making a point you weren't I was with already your rooted. Yeah, right. Yes, okay, so the importance of community. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it's not really about attending a service here and there because some people attend service like, oh, it's close to me, so I'll go there mm -hmm. because I have a family thing. But it's really about committing to your community. Yeah, or like, oh, I had a thing in the morning, so I'm going to go to this place where there's an evening service, but it's not my church. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was in college, actually, um, I remember someone said to me, like, oh, we're going to do this, blah, 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 in Bible college, right, on Sunday. And I was like, I have to go to church. <laughs> and I remember she was so nasty, but she was like, you're very legalistic, aren't you? Oh, gosh. And I was like, what? Like, for me, I was like, maybe I don't see that I'm legalistic. Maybe I need to examine my heart. Maybe I am legalistic. Because I, I felt like uh, I want to go to church because I love God. And for me, I, could, I didn't know how to say the words, it's a value, non-negotiable mm. value. I didn't know that word value. But basically, mm. I knew in my soul, in my mm. whole being, this is a value I can't negotiate because too much good for eternity happens on a Sunday. I just can't miss it. Mm. Like for me, I just can't miss it. Like... I'm sorry, I'd rather be at church than any other thing for me because too much of what God is doing is concentrated here and I, I just can't mm -hmm. miss it, you know? But I remember even in Christian college, it was like that. It was like, oh, you're very legalistic. You feel like you have to go to church every Sunday? Do you think that's how God feels about you? Mm -hmm. It almost sounds like the serpent, but I remember people. Um, this one particular person that I really looked up to in faith, she 
gave me this whole talk. It like really threw me off, and I was like, maybe I have to miss a Sunday to find out if I'm legalistic. Mm. Like, it was almost like a very like a twist of, uh, I guess, turn of words that I. And I remember feeling really disillusioned at that time. Like, oh, maybe I am legalistic. And, but, I know now I didn't want to miss church because I just knew the value when I was young. I just knew the value of it. I saw the value. I felt the value. I saw the value that it added to the people around me. I saw people coming to Christ because they showed up to church. You know, I. Was, Actually, like in Korea, even, and I think this is kind of like code word of evangelism. People don't always say, "I am a Christian," but people used to say, "Like I go to church," and people knew either you went to the temple or you went to church. And by the fact that you went to church, people knew that you were Christian. Mm. So, but now it's like, oh, church, oh, that activity or that legalistic activity. But it's not like that. It is really the same thing. So I personally love this message because it brings back, not like the old school values. I guess it really is because mm. in second, uh, I mean not second, in the Hebrews, people were stopping meeting, and mm-hmm. it was affecting. The second generation Christians and even their children, space. Um, but it is bringing back that value. Like, let's talk about it without feeling you're legalistic or I'm legalistic. Let's talk about it because this is something God values. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it was so so refreshing for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I you know it's so it's so cool that for you it's so strongly a non-negotiable because. It is a non-negotiable for me, but perhaps because I saw my parents be very lackadaisical with their Sundays. And even recently, my mom texted me because it was raining very hard outside. And she texted me, do not go to church today. It is dangerous outside. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people don't go to church when it rains. Yeah. Yeah. um, (laughs) But for me, when people, let's say it's something really enticing that someone asked me to do, on a Wednesday when I have small group or on a Sunday when I have church. Like, not too long ago, a friend asked me, or, oh no, she said, I would ask you to come with me to this screening and talk with Penelope Cruz and the creators of this TV show, but I know you have small group. (laughs) And for me, yes, I know small group Wednesdays is a non-negotiable, but I do feel that longing for two, like two seconds. I'm like, Oh, oh, I want to hear that. And then I'm like, no, no. But, you know, it's important almost for me, I feel like, to go through that process because it reaffirms my values for myself and it, it builds my character to remind myself, no, these are your values and whatever. Life will go on. It's not like this is more important. Mm-hmm. This is more precious. I guess because it's it really goes back to the call, like what people... I heard even this one pastor say, when people are young, the call is whatever they want it to be. But when you grow up and realize what it really is, is there's only one call. <laughs> and one call is to um, more to Jesus, by Jesus, for Jesus. But it goes back to the call. I think why we're tempted for certain things like is because it kind of, there's an enticing temptation about how it could better our life. And even purpose or even meaning in life when I don't know 
Maybe I'm very a one-track-minded person, but for me, I'm just like, <laughs> I know what my call is and everything else. I don't. You could you could tell me I'm gonna have, I don't know, tea with the queen. Like <laughs> it better be like some missional <laughs> thing. I'm not gonna go have tea with the queen because yeah. for me, it's. I see the value of what I do and the people in this community. You know, that's why I like, I mean, it's like kind of like, I guess a funny exaggeration, but like, you know, like Dr. Sammy put up a picture of the doctors, right? But they did that. They did that. They were in my small group. Like, you know, like we would gather, let's say 730 and for a while we gathered in these public meeting places in the city and they would literally walk around like studying until they would say, okay, we're going to start the meeting now. Like, people would walk around studying. And, you know, that, starting out, like, planning this church, you know, like, I was like, wow, I never saw that before. Mm. But it was the first time, like, I really saw value lived out. And I, and I felt like that's it. That's what we're meant to be. If we're going to win the world for Christ, like, if this part is so negotiated all the time, like, mm. how are we going to be a witness? And look at how their story even now testifies mm. to people. You know, it's amazing. Mm. It's really amazing. Like X and Janice were going to um, Stony at the time, and it was literally three hours. Mm. But they would they would say, oh, "I'm gonna study on my way back. I'm gonna study a little bit in the car." I'm I'm. Where's Janice? Oh, she's studying in the car until small group starts. <laughs> like it was kind of like that. Mm. And Andrew Lee too. Like he would be at small group. <laughs> and no one would know until they got to know him that he was actually a med student. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you're okay. You're a guy. You you you, you must be here because you have time. No, he was actually a med student, and he was there. <laughs> and I remember a small group encouraging him and pushing him. Yes. And yes. It was the real deal. Yeah. And you see the families do that too now. Yeah. You know, like you see um. Andrew Lee, I actually walked over and gave Andrew Lee and uh, Haley a high five mm. and a pound because mm. it's true. The <laughs> warfare is getting your kids out of the house, you know? Mm. It's like, is it logical? Like, why should we even, like, bother? Oh, we could just listen to YouTube. But, like, a lot of people think that way. But right. YouTube is, it's so great that we have it because it's safe for some non-negotiable reason you can't admit that you miss church. It's available for you. The podcast is available mm. for you, but it never replaces church. It doesn't replace the gathering itself, mm. you know? Mm. But yeah, they could easily say, well, I'm just going to make it up on YouTube because we have kids and the season is tough, but no, they show up. And, you know, like not to rat out Andrew Lee, but Andrew Lee will have a shift and he'll come and he wouldn't have slept for yeah. 30 hours sometimes, but he'll show up to church and he'll be sleeping mm -hmm. on the chair. But for him, he shows up. Yeah. yeah. Right, Still, Like, you've seen this for years. Andrew yeah, for this. years he's been doing this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, hmm. I mean, someone could say, shame on you, you're sleeping. Uh, you should get some rest. Like, what kind of example mm -hmm. are you? Well, I think for him, it's really important he shows up mm -hmm. to church because yeah. he loves God and he it's a value mm -hmm. to bring his children yeah. to And church. that's what kind yeah, of an example know. he is. He's an example of a non-negotiable. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I love what Sam said. He said their example, these examples disciple all of us. Mm. Yes. Not just parents. It disciples all of us. Mm. Cuz I mean, you guys have children like it's hard, but you do it. 
I remember like when Nathan or Josh were really little, I remember they used to show up to church with no shoes. <laughs> I think it was Josh. I think it was Josh. Like he came, he only had one shoe, but like, it's like, that stage is tough. But it was like, get in the car, get in the car. And like, I remember Haley, I, I remember I led worship like, and you know, um, Josh was in Sunday school. So I would go back after I would meet him and, I'm like, where'd you get your new shoes? And it's like, oh, Haley bought me new pairs of shoes. Oh, yeah, Why? That. Because I could only find one. But I'm like, yes, this is how we do it. We show up anyway. Yeah. You know, like, yes. who cares about the perfect outfit? You know, like, you show up. And mm. I remember you literally rolled them out of the house and get them into the car. But because it's non-negotiable. Mm. I remember... Um, Nathan actually texted Sam after the message because he was in mm. Cali and he said, Dad, great message. I want to read it, but he actually said, what a great way to show what non-negotiable things are to correct the distortion of what it means to follow God. And actually, Sam thought I wrote that to him. <laughs> And then he, he was like, honey, did you text me that? I said, no, I didn't text you that. I said, that was Nathan. And I remember I talked to Nathan at dinner. I was like, Nathan, you know that like for mom and dad, it's a non-negotiable that we don't miss church for non-important things. And then he was like, oh, I know, I know, I know that. And I'm bringing my kids to church. Like, they're thinking about that, right? It gets ingrained. He said, and I'm bringing my kids to church? Yeah, he said something like that. He, he, he reiterated oh that goodness. this is a value for me, too, or something mm. like that. But I think that's what it does. Like, this message kind of breaks down the distortions that we have right. about what it means to follow God. Right. So, because it is very distorted how we mm. view it. Yeah. There was a point in time in my life where church became very negotiable for the non-negotiable of work. And I can clearly say that was one of the worst periods of time in my life when I was just a miserable, awful person, you know, in so many different ways. And it wasn't until I made work the very much negotiable and found a community when I found 180. And that became the non-negotiable that yeah. I really felt like my, my soul started to be restored. Like mm. it, God started to heal me in the places where everything was negotiable that shouldn't have been. Mm. So I, I get what you're saying about even preparing for something that makes church, that makes serving God a non, or makes it a negotiable that just takes you down the road of of going off that cliff. Like you're getting ready to go off the cliff with every step that you're taking towards that goal of making church a negotiable. Well, I've, I made these things a non-negotiable because I know what kind of influence it has on people around me. Like I know that if Sundays are something I don't bend on, they'll have to inquire, like, how come? Like, right. why is it so And I've important? seen that in your life, actually. Yeah, like people, people will come, say, can you take me to church with you? Yeah, because like I go every week yeah. and as consistent as it possibly can be and then they're like it's why don't you just miss one or like something like that it's mm. like it's just this like i have this plan for us and like i can't do it and then mm. it's an it's a conversation for why it's such an important value you know yeah i remember um like you brought friends and they whether they worked out or not like no. you brought friends and they I, I would ask them like oh what made you come to church and they would say like 
um, several of them would say, oh, I came to church because I knew that, like, Joe just doesn't miss church. <laughs> so I just one day said, can you bring me to church? And that's why I came, because mm. I knew he'd be going to church. Mm. Yeah. So you just don't know when the opportunity will come. Yeah. yeah. Even when, like, I wasn't so solid on, like, my discipleship, I was saying, not my faith, my discipleship, mm -hmm. I still made church a non-negotiable. Even if I would, like, come in, like, hungover or, like, mm -hmm. messed up from a party or something, mm -hmm. like, I was still always there. Like, mm -hmm. I, they'd be like, oh, you're leaving so early. It's like, we're not early, like, quote, like unquote, early, early from the party? Yeah, I'd be like, I got church the next morning. Uh -huh. And then I'll come into church the next morning. Uh -huh. um, and so, like, that was always been, like, a, like a bedrock of, like, this is what I do. Like, this is who, like, who I am. Like, I know that this is a value for me. And I've seen the fruit of it. And I think mm -hmm. that's why it continues to be such a strong value in my life. Because, you know, I know one day my dad is going to see 10 years from now, God willing, like, you've been going to church every week mm -hmm. for, like, all this time. Even though he stopped so many years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I like, even for my brother or even, you know, for, like, my close friends. Like, I want mm -hmm. them to see that this is the example I'm setting that. Yeah. This is this is what my life is about, you know. And I I don't, I I feel like I owe it to them, not really me, to be consistent. Cause like mm -hmm. the the moment you start slipping and like you ah oh, I go to like this brunch or something or whatever like this thing that my friend set up or like this party or something, um, I know that that I'm kind of doing a disservice to like the opportunity to witness. Cause like mm -hmm. it doesn't bridge that conversation because I know that people that have changed things really stood for what they believed in and what they believed in were not negotiables like whether it was like Martin Luther King Jr. or Gandhi or like Mother Teresa all these prolific figures have always stood for what they believed in and that's how they changed stuff right mm -hmm. like you you set the example for change yeah that's true mm. consistency is so important mm -hmm. like we think it doesn't matter but it's so important right. like if you falter on it and that's why we also go to small group because our community reminds us hey mm -hmm. you've been a little weak on on that thing right you know but and there's accountability right mm -hmm. yeah. but consistency is so important and that, that's why i love what he said he said um sam said values lead to character and character leads to legacy and legacy leads to destiny mm -hmm. it's one after another there's no skipping around it you know mm. what i mean so mm. i mean jesus mm. died on the cross <laughs> mm. so mm. and people have died for this faith mm. and you know and in some ways it's kind of like as much as i understand it but it's a very different place we're in people really feared death back then Right. Mm. But the, there's no persecution where we live. It's really mm. about leisure. Mm. And I think that's also something that God's confronting our, us about. Right. Like, have I just become one of the things that better your life? Am I really oh. Lord? You right. know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really a Lordship <clears throat> issue. For sure. Mm. I think yeah. uh, a lot of times when we do compromise, it's because we're think we're it's self-preservation at the end of the day. Whether we're trying to preserve some kind of semblance of like a balanced life, quote unquote, or like um, I don't know, like a happy life, or like you know, for the disciples in the past, they were literally preserving their physical lives. You know, it's like we think it's really like us. 
at the end of the day that um, should be looked out for. But like, it's clear that the call is that we live in the service first of to God and and for God's mission it's for others, you know. And so, I think like that is a value that has to be instilled in all of us. It's a, it's a discipline that's built over time because if we're not really clear what our ultimate value is and we have all these different like commitments like grabbing for our attention we're going to falter you know i think and so it's important that we have community around us and that's why it's important that we meet frequently and often so that we're reminded that we're running this race and hopefully we're going in the same direction like mm -hmm. we know what race we're on and truth is we're so weak we forget right we forget what we live for we forget who we live for Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why um, I think, um, Joe, you made the point, like, it's not just drawing the line on the sand just once. Yeah. And it is in a way, but also you have to keep drawing the line because sometimes you don't know. It's right. adaptive almost. Like, you don't know how it's going to happen. The temptations mm -hmm. will come. That's true. And mm -hmm. you draw it again. And mm -hmm. seasonally, mm -hmm. I think I had it, like, seasonally it happens. Yeah. It happens when... You know, you're dating. It happens when... Mm. That's why I love the story of Nancy and Jeff. Right. Mm. Um, Nancy was... He had, she had just come to Christ, and she was <laughs> kind of, like, growing in Christ. It's not like she was, like, this super woman, you know? But she was Nancy herself, you know? And she told him that. She said, this is a non-negotiable. And so he had to... It's kind of like... Uh, what's that saying? Like, if you can't beat him, you join him. Yeah, and that's what Jeff did. He didn't mm. want to let go of Nancy, and he joined, and yeah. he committed his life to Christ, and that was the baptism picture, which is so powerful. Mm. And I know someone in her church, um, a girl had come to Christ in her church, and she was an atheist or a Buddhist, and she came to Christ. And so she understood the value of church because she knew what it felt to be apart from church. Mm -hmm. So when she started dating um, a guy, the guy was like, uh, can I, can we like go hang out on Sunday? And she was like, nope, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And so he had to basically take her out to on dates after, right. after church, after service. And which he ended up joining the community and he himself was very far from God. But because of the girl's commitment to Sundays, right. the non-negotiable, like he came to Christ. Right. It's almost like, <laughs> you know, and there are these patterns in a church, which I love that. Like when I hear those stories, I'm just like so happy because when a people of God don't falter in their values, but no who they're living for like that's so powerful that's a powerful community when mm. that's then we can start making change that's legacy that's destiny you know right so but yeah so many stories like that mm. props to the girl but yeah <laughs> it's hard to do it is hard to do yeah because you could easily be like I mean, there are other stories, too, where girls and um, girl will date a guy and all their values will go down the drain. Oh, yeah. And, or yeah. vice versa. Like, yeah. all their values, everything they drew the line on the sand before about, mm. whether it's about, you know, not sleeping with a man or not sleeping with a woman before marriage to, you know, church, all this stuff. Like, it's like, well, it's different now. Mm -hmm. um, and people falter. 
but that's why I think seasonally we have to draw the line on the sand right. constantly because it comes in different temptations and different seasons mm -hmm. yeah such a powerful message yeah I think we should share it with um, people and make sure people mm -hmm. got it because it's really something God is saying because it's really values lead to character character leads to legacy legacy will lead to destiny and if you want to be a people of destiny we can't falter we have to have non-negotiables right we have to be consistent on them mm. and really really live in that tension you know mm. if we're gonna miss like it, it it has to be for a really 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 good reason mm. so that it doesn't so it doesn't slip away from us yeah and also people are watching kids are watching right friends are watching yeah yeah and like sad but michelle grew up knowing her parents were christian or going to church but when things came up it was like almost like completely negotiable she said you know right. so for the next generation <laughs> for people watching i think like America is so individualized like we say a lot of things like well as long as I follow my heart as long as I'm true to my heart or as I as long as I feel right about it or find mm. my truth or find my mm. truth yeah. mm. but I don't know I think it conflicts a lot with the beliefs of who Christ was and what he died for and mm. what he lived for so I think for me, I love this message because it's such a fresh reminder of something so basic that over time it almost becomes taboo to even talk about right. because it gets so complex and complicated. Well, that's not why I miss church. Well, I feel accused by you, mm -hmm. so I shouldn't feel that way. It's really just about the values of Christ, which yeah. is right. Sabbath, you know? Right. So I think it's a good conversation to begin to have. So that we can become a community of people restoring the beauty in all things. Yeah. That's destiny. We want to get there. Mm. Yeah. Right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. The ministry time this week is, was really short because we had to wrap up quickly for the showing at AMC. The movie showing at AMC. But I would say go to small group. Mm. If you were thinking about missing or maybe you haven't been going a while... Go to small group. If never been going, you've, if you've never gone to small group, go. Mm. You will benefit, and you will benefit others if you show up. Talk about this issue. Juggle with it. Wrestle with it. Um, yeah. And I can't believe that Day in the Sun is around the corner. It's coming Sunday. June 30th at the Great Hill on 106th on the west side at 12 o'clock. You could join us. Find us there for a potluck have amazing food great fellowship and that's one of the times we meet together in central park uh during the summer yeah and bring friends and mm -hmm. family that have been wondering about what the heck do you do on sundays bring mm -hmm. them <laughs> it's gonna be great food mm -hmm. and it is a missional event we want to invite people to um to hear the message of the gospel right. yeah. so Amen. please come it's gonna be a lot of great dishes Mm -hmm. But do come um, on time because 
when you come, you want your friends and family to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so do service with us, not just to lunch, but do mm -hmm. service with us. True. And mm -hmm. let them see why we gather on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So if you come um, at 12, it'll be more than enough time for you to adjust, put your food down, um, feel comfortable to start service together. So please join us. Amen. 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 Everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv.